If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, beginning in verse 7. You can pull out that paper outline that you got coming in, perhaps, or you can open your Three Crosses app, and there's an outline there waiting for you there. If you're using that book rack Bible in front of you, page 1047 is where you'll find the text today, Ecclesiastes 11. So we're in a journey in the wisdom books of the Old Testament. We've looked at Proverbs. Today we're finishing the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've just really looked at sort of a a flyover of these amazing books, Uh, but hopefully you're getting the sense of what they've been about. And the book of Ecclesiastes teaches us an angle of wisdom or a perspective of wisdom that reminds us that life down here under the sun is what the writer, the critic in this book calls hevel, uh, the Hebrew word hevel, which we translate meaningless. Uh, It's not really a very accurate translation because it it means more like vapor or smoke. it's, It's like the book is telling us that life is difficult to understand. The meaning of life is not easy to understand. And the reason it is not easy to understand is because it's so unpredictable It seems to us, life under the sun, as we look around, uh, there's such randomness and all the things that happen in our lives, there's such an unpredictability. And so the writer or the critic of the book is coming to us and saying, look, since since life is difficult to control and in fact impossible to control, uh, it's much better for us to simply embrace life and enjoy it uh, rather than try to control it all the time. Because... Ecclesiastes teaches us both good and bad things that come into our lives are actually rich treasures from God. Did you get that? Both good and bad things, things that we think are not good for us, even like we heard this morning, are levers that God uses to point us to better things. So this is a tremendous book. It it gives us a perspective of wisdom that Proverbs didn't give us. Uh, And also, we're about to go into the book of Job, which gives us another final perspective of wisdom which we look forward to opening in just a couple of weeks. So here we are in this book, and today we're going to look at the importance of not wasting your life. Last week we looked at not, uh, we looked at enjoying our lives, and today we're going to look at not wasting our lives. And a lot of people do this. A lot of people waste their lives. I was looking at the newspaper yesterday, and I was struck by the story on one of the front pages uh, about this young man named Cosmo DiNardo. 20 years of age, confessing to the homicides, four homicides in a little western Pennsylvania uh, farm area, um, and it's all over the news. And, and that's just one of a dozen that I was looking at yesterday where young people have apparently, or it seems as though they've, they've thrown away their lives. Um, and, and that's not the end of Cosmo's story. I prayed for him yesterday. I, I think of people like this that are so young who are sort of like, you know, just come to a dead-end place in their lives, and it's, it's sad, but you don't have to be a person confessing to homicides to have wasted your life. Uh, you can be a businessman, you can be professional in your career, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, you could be a housewife, you could be someone working uh, in the community, you could be doing a lot of even philanthropic things, and, and it sounds crazy to say this, but good things in life don't necessarily add up to a meaningful life in terms of what God designs. Because until or unless you step into the life that God has designed for you, here's the reality. You actually miss the real meaning of life. I mean, you can do great things, but if you're not living in the reality that God has created you for, 
If you're not stepping into his purpose for your life, you can waste your life. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, and it's all over the Gospels, Mark 8, Luke 9. Let's read this out loud together. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his own soul? Uh, what will a person give in exchange for their soul? Well, uh, people give a lot of things for, in exchange for their soul. They make deals to get a lot of things in life, but all in exchange really for their soul. We're chasing the wind. We're running after things that really don't measure up in life. And so that's, that's what this whole text is about today. We can have possessions, the best job, relationships, and even a religious experience and miss life completely. Wow, what a shocker for some people to come to that realization. But hopefully that is a shock that moves us into a place where we say to God, okay, what is your purpose? Well, I, want, I want that purpose in my life. That's where the real meaning of life comes. So today I hope you will really listen. The stakes are really high here in what we're going to look at. And what we're going to look at today is for everyone. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is for you. Just do that real quick. Okay. All right. So with that, let me read to you chapter 11 beginning in verse 7. Listen carefully. Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However, however many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Hevel. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are hevel, meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors of the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along the desire and desire no longer is stirred, then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken before the pitcher is shattered in the, by, at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Hevel, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched in, to find the right, just the right words and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end and much study wearies the body. Now all that has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay? All right. So, 
I see five things here, and these are really important things for every one of us. Number one, verses 7 and 8 of chapter 11, I see here this principle that whatever season of life you're in, maximize your strength and vitality knowing that there's a day coming when these will, what? Decrease. There's coming a day where what we have now is not going to be anymore. The entire passage is filled with this metaphor, this literary beauty of the text showing us the power and the beauty of light, the universal affinity toward the sun that shines. Every kind of day has its value. But when it comes to metaphor, there's no doubt that the best days we're speaking about are days where it's sunny, where life seems to shine, where there's no cloud or rain or darkness. The light of day is the expression of every generation saying that there's strength productivity, and vitality. And you probably noticed that throughout this portion of Scripture, there are many references to being young and valuing youth. But, did you notice, or have you noticed that the one who typically values youthfulness are usually people who are not young? I remember hearing older people say to me when I was a teenager, oh, you know, you know, don't take for granted your, your youthfulness, you know. And I remember thinking, ah, what's the big deal? It's who I am, you know. And you think you'll always be that way. And then the next thing you know, you're standing here. And it's a whole different story. Your life goes by. Here in verses 7 and 8, there's a focus on youthfulness. Um, but, but there's actually not as much a focus on youthfulness as assessing your life in whatever season you might be in right now. Look at verse 8 again. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. Now, before this, in verse 7, look at the sweetness of the bright days of youth, metaphorically. And then after, at the end of verse 8, the impending doom of old age when the sun isn't shining on our lives as it once was. You get the point. The point is this, if life is compared to, a, to the kind of day it is, uh, we're all in a season and our season is changing. Our season is changing. It may seem slow or it may seem like it's coming like wildfire in our lives, but either way, it's coming and there's no time to waste. Use the strength and vitality you have right now. And I think about this a lot. I, it's one of the reasons why I try to stay very active. I, I work out. I play basketball. I try to stay fit because I know that there's coming a day where I won't be able to do those kinds of things like I once did. And, of course, I already see that at the age that I'm in. I, I have a good friend of mine. He's about my age and uh, a little bit older. He's 61. I'm 60. And uh, <laughs> he's a little bit old. He's an older guy. And he was telling me that he's on a he's on a softball he's in a softball league where there's 60s and then there's a league where there's 70s and then there's a league where there's 80s. And he said if you're older you can actually drop down to the younger ages if you're good enough and he said his team happens to have right now a bunch of 70 or an 80 year olds and he goes we're not doing so good this season. <laughs> And I was laughing about that. I was talking to another gal up at uh, the gym where I work out. And she's, she's a soccer player. And she's, I think, I don't know her age. But I think she's probably in her late 40s, early 50s or so. And she was saying that she just recently went to Las Vegas. There was a giant soccer, you know, tournament down there. And there were leagues for 70 and 80-year-olds as well. Full, you know, same size field, full running. Can you imagine that, 70 and 80-year-olds? 
I mean, that's incredible. These are people that have really worked hard, obviously, on keeping their bodies in shape. But this is just, let's remember, this is just the physical side of things. But this really needs to apply to our spiritual lives as well. I did youth ministry for years, and one of the reasons why I loved youth ministry was being around young people. Because when you're around young people, the sun is always shining. There's hope, joy, excitement, movement, fun, optimism, faith, resilience, and more. It's sunny outside for young people. As we get older, the sun seems to fade. Life seems more serious. Darkness is coming. And for many, the darkness has come. I remember meeting Georgia back when I was in my early 20s. Now, Georgia was her name, but everybody called her Go-Go. She was the grandmother of one of the workers in the youth ministry where I was in San Jose. And they called her Go-Go because she was always going somewhere. Uh, She was just an amazing lady. She was in her mid-late 80s at the time. And I remember Glenna telling me, you've got to meet my grandmother. And so there was a dinner party the family had. They said, we want to invite the youth pastor. So she and her husband, Lee, picked me up. We go over to Gogo's house. And I remember we come in the house, and she's excited, and she's, you know, she's like the life of the party. She serves an amazing meal. We sit down. We, we talk. She's almost like interviewing everybody at the table, her kids, and some of her grandkids are there, and I'm there, and she's like, what have you read lately? What's challenging you most? Oh, yeah, I know about that. And then they're talking politics and talking about all this stuff, and I'm, I'm just sitting there, you know, eating my food. And I remember leaving the, her house that night, and it was like a stake in the, in the ground for me. It was like, you know, I want to live my life to the fullest, all the way to the end. If God gives me health, you know, who knows? We don't know what God has written into our lives. But no matter what we're going through or whatever we're dealing with, I want to live, I, I said that night, I want to live my life like Gogo lives. And, and it wasn't just her physical, it was way more than her physical being. I mean, she was okay in shape for, an, you know, mid-80s maybe, but she, it was more her spirit. She was so alive. One of my favorite verses is uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16. We'll put it on the screen. I want you to read it out loud with me. This is so powerful. Read it with me. Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's an amazing passage that, in the context of that passage, talks about, you know, no matter what you're going through in life, uh, we need to keep our eyes on what is eternal, because what is physical, or what, what we see with our physical eyes, is temporary, and it's going away. And I love this verse because it reminds me that no matter how old we are, we can actually be reversing the process in the area of our spirit. The inner man can be renewed day by day. Isn't that incredible? So it doesn't matter how old you are, you can remain this life-giving, life-experiencing person. And by the way, I've met a lot of go-go's in my lifetime. Jake Beleague was one of them, former pastor here at Three Crosses. Uh, Bruce Craig, another dear friend. Jim Burns, Doug Foxworthy, Dave Bartholomew. These are heroes to me. I think of women like Lily Kaufman and Esther Trum. Some of these names don't mean anything to any of you, but some of them you connect and, and understand. And we're not necessarily even talking about age, but some of these folks contracted cancer at a certain part of their life, and right up to the end of their life, they were just filled with the vibrancy and love of God. And they, they looked at life with the, the, the sun is shining. And I love that. I love that about life and about people that are in you know i'm looking at ruth down here ruth is going to turn 99 years of age in october and you know she 
She's amazing, you know? She's amazing. And, you know, some of you know her. I see you come down and say hello to her. She's here every week or most every week. She's faithful coming to church. You know, she's got, look, she's got a yellow sweater on. The sun is shining today. It's just beautiful, you know? Um, so people like that are kind of ins- inspiring to us. They, they're inspirational to us. And we should value older people in our lives, especially as they learn the value of, of this uh, inner man being renewed day by day. Okay, so verses 7 and 8 just talk about, hey, whatever, whatever season you're in, look at the season you're in right now, whatever season that is, you should use everything you've got knowing that someday that's gonna, some of that stuff's going to go away and eventually all of it's going to go away. Which brings me to, to verse 9 of chapter 11, which tells us the principle that we should take advantage of being young if we are young, knowing that we are responsible to God for what we do with our life. Now, this is weird. You know, we planned this series months ago, and we didn't realize that on this Sunday, <laughs> all of our youth would be gone. <laughs> but I was thinking about it earlier, and I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter, because they wouldn't get it anyway. Uh, you know, they'd be going, yeah, so what, what, we're young, whatever. But if you're young, if you're, now, l- l- we need to talk about what is young. And I'm going to do that by defining, how do we define being old? What is, what is being old? Um, I've learned that we tend to define old as someone who is at least 10 years older than we are right now. So, like, when you turn 30, you think, oh, I'm 30, but I'm not old. Because 40-year-olds are old. And then you hit 40, and you go, ah, you know, I'm not old. 50 is old. And then you hit 50 and 60. You know, like, I, I've been doing that. I told you when I turned 60 this year, remember that? I went through that little thing. I said, you know, I'm going to jump ahead. I'm just going to tell people I'm 70, you know. And I did that. It was really hilarious because, like I said, people would say, you know, oh, you look good for 70, you know. And, <laughs> and then some people just go, ah, good, happy birthday. You know, they're just like, you know. So here's, here, this is the capper. This happened to me just a few weeks ago. I was kind of thinking about that. I was in the gym, and there was an old, a truly an older guy from me walks up to me, and he says, hey, what are you guys sitting around for? You should be working out, you know, and he's kind of giving us a hard time in a fun kind of way. And I said, well, hey, you know, us old guys, we got to take it a little easy. And I, I said, uh, he goes, well, well, how old are you? And I go, well, I'm, <laughs> I said, well, I'm 80. And he says, well, I'm 83. <laughs> what? So I'm not, I'm not saying that stuff anymore. I'm, I'm 60 in six months right now. That's what I am. All right. So, and I've learned people, you know, by virtue of your relationship with people, you don't think of people as being old. Um, I was sitting with a family in my office about a year ago, and... <laughs> They were saying uh, their, their mom had passed, and that's not funny, but, but she, she was 88, and, and the, the daughter says to me with a straight face, she goes, I just can't believe she died. She was only 88. And, you know, inside I'm going, hmm, that will preach someday. That, because we don't think of 88 being old necessarily if we're endeared to somebody, but I think all of us would agree that 88 is a long, full life. But this is the way life is, and this is what the text is trying to tell us. Value your youthfulness if you're young. So let's talk about, well, who's young then? Let's talk about who's young. Um, I, I, it's not 60. I know that. <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say 
probably we could define young as anyone in their 30-ishes and down. You know, like, I don't know, probably if you're, if you're 50 or 60 right now, you're thinking 30 is like the pinnacle of youth, right? You know, and you would love probably to go back to and at least feel physically like you did when you were 30. Maybe you didn't want to go through the life issues that you experienced when you were 30, but, but so we could say that if you're, if you're 30 or younger, this a couple weeks ago, my sister sent me a picture of my dad. I had never seen this picture of my dad before. This is when he was 25. This is my dad. I, man, I look at this picture, and I, I never knew this man. I, I knew him as an older man, of course, because I wasn't born. My dad was in the service. And I, this picture is a, an enigma to me because he's driving a gasoline truck, tanker. He's in the military at the time. He's in the Navy. But he was posted on a ship, so I have no idea how he was in this picture. But anyway, I'll ask him someday. My dad loved the Lord, and I'm going to see him, my dad again. But I think, wow, I would have loved to know my dad when he was in his 20s. Um, so what the text is saying here, and let's not miss the forest for the trees. Look at verse 9. It says, while you are young, be happy. And, and while you are young, let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Verse 9 Here's two responsibilities we have according to verse 9. Number one, um, we need to enjoy our lives if we're young. And if you're in the 30-year-old bracket and down, you should just be loving life. You should be exploring and adventuring. You should be going after whatever your dream is. You should be kicking up your heels whenever you can. You should do whatever you want to do and not be afraid to go after it unless it's sinful or unwise. And that's why these wisdom books are so important. You should be enjoying your life. And secondly, you have a responsibility not just to enjoy your life. That's a command from God. Not only to enjoy your life, but you should be being responsible to do something good with your life. Do something good with your life. Look at the end of verse 9. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Oh. So go after your life and enjoy it. But just remember, hello. You're going to stand before God someday and give an answer for your life. Um, I, love, I love the fact that God has blessed Three Crosses with so many amazing young people. Um, honestly, I'm so proud of our young people. I'm proud of the lives that they have. Uh, many of those students that are heading to Hume Lake right now work in our children's ministry. They volunteer in our student ministries, younger. Um, I think of our college-age students who invest so much into youthful areas. I think of like guys like Xavier who get pulled in. They're kind of a mess themselves, but suddenly the light goes on, and they become just impassioned, flaming, loving Christ followers that the world sees. And, and we, we just have, I look at the cast in Little Mermaid. I see all these young people with their amazing dance and their incredible voices, and I just think God has blessed our church with so many amazing people. They work at VBS. They work, they go to Mexico when all their friends are going on spring break. Um, they, they serve, they work, they pray. And, and we, just, we just take that for granted. And I just want to give a shout out to say, God, thank you for bringing around in our church so many young people. And guess what? We want more young people. We are hungry for bringing to the next generation the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we have youth workers, and we, we, we hire people to work with young people. Uh, we, we do a lot for our younger generations, and that's why we program things, even in main services, to always be sensitive about the younger generation and wanting this church to feel like this is a church for younger people 
And we get excited about that. And that does, that's not to dismiss older generations. I'm a part of that older generation. But there's something very beautiful about casting uh, the baton, giving the baton to the next generation. And that's what, what I see. And, and verse 10, if we're going to look at the next principle here, and by the way, at this point, you need to start picking up the pace a little bit here, okay? Um, verse 10 that whatever stage in life you're in, but especially if you're young, choose a path that reduces unnecessary emotional and physical baggage. Okay? Verse 10 is a hard verse to translate from the original language. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off all the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. It sounds like it's saying in one way, hey, just go out and do whatever you want. And then it says, but youth and vigor are meaningless. Hevel. Um, what is being said here, some people believe this is actually saying, just live whatever way you want to live, it's okay. Hedonism is in. Good, go, great. Well, if you read the rest of the Bible, which Ecclesiastes is sort of the primer so that you will read the rest of the Bible, you discover the rest of the Bible is not saying, live any way you want, just do what you want. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's a moral code, there's a moral pattern, you, your life will turn out better if you follow that. And so here's... Here's what I think verse 10 is saying. Verse 10 is saying, look, um, no matter where you're at in life, realize that someday you're going to be older and the things you did in your younger years are going to come to roost there. So be very careful. The, the critic is saying, ooh, be careful. Um, think about all the things we start when we're young. Drinking to excess, alcohol, starts when we're young. Smoking, and not just tobacco, starts when we're young. Uh, what we call innocent sexual encounters, uh, which is not true. Uh, sexual encounters, no matter how we deem them in youthfulness, is still sin and egregious to God. Uh, but usually starts when we're young. Uh, eating habits start when we're young. Our work ethic starts when we are young. Our speech is formed when we're young. How we handle relationship conflicts starts when we're young. How we choose to love starts when we're young. How we make money, save money, and spend money starts when we're young. And you know what the Bible's telling us here? It's such beautiful wisdom. Watch out, because someday all the patterns that you gave yourself and all the permission you gave yourself and all the things you went and did and run and chew and try to do everything you could do, some. Some of that stuff is going to lodge in your life in a way that's going to bring emotional and psychological even and physical uh, baggage to your life. So be careful. <laughs> that's what the critic is saying. Number four. It's getting really quiet in here right now. Okay, number four. <laughs> Chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I love this. Don't put off any aspect of your relationship with God for some other day. The time is what? Now. Stop putting things off. You don't want to waste your life? Then stop putting off what you know you need to do today. Some of us are living our lives like the musical Annie. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. You know, we live in our lives always thinking about tomorrow, always putting off today for t until tomorrow what we should be doing today. And look at verse 1. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will all say, I find no pleasure in them. There's five reasons verses 1 through 8 give us. <laughs> and these are great. You're going to love these. Number one, life just gets more difficult with the passing of time. You would think it's the other way around. 
But it's actually the longer you live, the more difficult it begins to be. Uh, when you're young and it rains, you don't sweat it because you know the, the sky is going to be blue again. But when you're old and it rains, metaphorically, it just seems like the clouds linger. Uh, this is a beautiful thing to think about. You know, tomorrow we'll be one day older than we are today. We'll never be as young as we are today. And these days add up to an alarming rate. Have you noticed? <laughs> so, life just gets more difficult. So, remember your Creator now. Number two, our bodies weaken and slow down with the passing of time. Verse three gives us this picture of like our motor skills. The keepers of the house tremble. This is what we believe probably picture of our hands and our feet. You know, it used to be steady, rock steady. Now we, we tremble a little bit as we get older. Uh, our posture changes. Strong men stoop. If you've ever noticed older people have a tendency to kind of, you know, walk a little stooped over. That just comes with age. And we try to sh- pull our shoulders back and try to walk upright and do all that. Eventually, time and all this stuff works on our lives. Our teeth begin to fall out. Grinders cease, it says, because they are few. Our eyes begin to dim. Can I use the word cataract, anybody? In short, things start falling apart. And like I've heard someone say, what doesn't hurt usually doesn't work. These are the things that happen as we get older. And some of us don't need to hear this. And in fact, yet that brings us to the next thing. Our hearing fades. And our sleep decreases in the passing of time. Look at verse 4. I love this. It says, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. It's a picture of losing our, our hearing. And then the birds, the birds wake, what does it say verse, in verse 4? When men rise at the sound of birds. It's a picture of, you know, you're, just, you're laying there at 4 in the morning, a little bird outside, and even though you can't hear it, something is telling you it's time to wake up. Boom, you're up. And you know, when you're older, you just don't sleep. I don't sleep in anymore. I, you know, I, I have a pattern. I get up at 5 a.m. every day. That's kind of my schedule. And I work out and do that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I've, I'm starting uh, my day, my work day, uh, you know, about 8, 15 or so. I've done two and a half hours of time with God, physical body, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, that's a pattern in my life. I can't sleep anymore in. If I, if I say I'm sleeping in tomorrow, it might be 6, 6.15 or something like that. That's crazy because I remember when I was young and I could sleep all day. I remember our kids, when they were still in the house, teenagers. You got teenagers in your house? No, they're on their way to camp. Praise God, they're on their way to camp. <laughs> because, you know, you wake up and you, it's like, I remember coming home. Hey, what's going on? Where's so-and-so? Oh, she's still in bed. What time? It's 2 o'clock. <laughs> Adolescents, they sleep forever. They drive us crazy. But, you know, that, those days are beautiful. Now, I don't, I don't sleep in anymore, but I can sure take a nap. Boy, can I take a nap. And then, fear increases, verse 5, fear increases and desire decreases. Uh, have you noticed? Uh, it's, uh, look at the metaphor here. When men are afraid of heights, dangers in the streets, the almond tree blossoms. This is picture of season changing. Here's, here's what's going on here in this passage. It's saying that as we get older, we're fearful of things that we weren't fearful of before. We don't like driving at night, maybe. We don't like being in traffic, maybe. We don't like being in busy places. Some of our seniors here at our church, guess what? They don't like coming to church. You know why? 
Not because they don't love God, but because they don't like all of us being here at the same time. <laughs> they don't like the crowd. And I get it. Sometimes I go, man, I don't like being around all these people. <laughs> but you know, that's what happens. Your fears increase and your, and your watch this, your desires decrease. And you know, we could go on and on about all this. What is this talking about? But it's, it's probably talking about the fact that as we get older, we just, we don't have the same natural desires. We, you know, we don't want to have people over. We don't like going out. We don't like recreation. We don't like hobbies. Older folks just like to park the car, get out, go into their house, put their feet up, and that's it. <laughs> I know I'm just being silly here because if you're a go-go, that's not true. You're reading, you're interacting with people, you love it, but not everybody's like that. And it just with age, these things come. And then finally, if those were not hard enough to hear, uh, verse 5b, death inevitably arrives and the life we now have is over. That's it. It's coming. We're all going toward that day where life's going to be over. So we got we to gotta take the opportunity now and the greatest opportunity we have before us not to waste a day in our lives is to step into the meaning that God has for us. I was at my father's funeral. I'll never forget it. People coming through a line, welcoming, greeting us. And a man walks up to me. He's in his 80s. And he says, hey, I knew your parents. I knew your mom, too. She died. In fact, it'll be 17 years this week my mom passed away. Wow, I can't believe how fast time's gone. But this guy puts his hand in mine and he says, hey, I just want you to know I knew your parents. I knew your dad. He was a great man. I came to Christ, he says, when I was 76. He goes, my family had been praying for me. They invited me to come. I started coming. I met your parents. They had an impact on my life. And he goes, I just want you to know, at a 76-year-old, life changed for me. And I, I've never forgotten that conversation because what I thought about in that moment was, wow, this guy's life started at 76. Really? Because until you know Christ, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they might know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Knowing life the way God has for us is knowing God, the Father, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that life, you have wasted your life. Really? I'm not trying to be harsh. You can do a lot of good things in life, but short-term meaning does not in any way compare to long-term, ultimate meaning through knowing God through His Son, Jesus. And short-term meaning can't give up or can't replace a lifetime of meaninglessness which is really what this life is like without Christ. Which brings us to the last thing here quick, and we'll be done. And that is in verses 9 through 14, this last little close, make honoring God and keeping His commands the most important thing in your life. Um, you don't want to waste your life, then, then just honor God with your life. Look at verse 13 again. Here's the close of the matter. Fear God, keep His commandments. How important this is. And you can trust wisdom because it comes from God Himself. Verses 11 and 12, do you notice it, it's given by one shepherd? Be warned. I love this verse. This was one of my favorite verses in college and, and grad school. Of making many books there is no end and much study wearies the body. Amen? Yeah, keep learning. Yes, grow. You got all this stuff. But the greater thing is the wisdom that comes from God. And the wisdom that comes from God says, honor me, God says, with all of your life. And finally, 
Wisdom reminds us that someday God will bring the nature of every action and intention of our hearts into the open. Listen, this is not a picture of judgment for punishment. This is a picture of judgment for reward. And the Bible says that some of us are going to stand before God and we're going to suffer loss, not punishment, but the reward that could have been will not be because we wasted things in life. You know, you can be a believer in Christ and waste things in life. So today, it's a day to recalibrate. Today to say, God, thank you for the season that I'm in. No matter what season I'm in, right now, Lord, I want to live it out. I want to give it all to your glory. I want to finish strong. I want you to be honored. And if that's your heart's desire this morning, God's going to answer that prayer. You make that every day your desire to live strong, to finish well, to let God be the centerpiece of your life like we've been singing all morning. And it will be amazing. And then someday, you'll have people sitting around your table and you'll be like, go, go. Sharing the great things that God's doing in your life today. And if you've never met the Savior, then don't waste one more day but come to faith in Christ today, right now. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, God, you are amazing. You are good all the time. We are stunned by the beauty of Scripture and by the wisdom that we learn. And I pray, Lord, even now, that for any one of us that need to begin a relationship with you, that we would not wait any longer. The invitation is here for all of us to step into the light and let you, Jesus, be Lord of our lives. And if that's you today, my friend, whoever you are, however old you are, however young you are, today you can confess that you're a sinner, that you need forgiveness, that's called repentance, and you're asking Christ to be the Lord of your life, that you want him to be king of your life. He will, he'll come in, forgive all your sins. By faith, he will come in to live his life through you. And right here, right now, you can do that. Do it. Ask him in. Repent. Come to Jesus now. And if you've already come to Christ, then let this message be just a reminder to you that God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to waste any moment of this life that he gives you. Stop fooling around, missing out on what he really has for you. And you'll see the amazing things that he'll create and that he will open up for you. Before I finish my prayer, would you stand together with me quietly? We're going to sing a song this morning that really kind of weds this whole theme into one thought for our hearts. And so, Lord, be in these words that we sing to you. Shape our hearts in accordance with what your word has said to us today. And we thank you for what you'll accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen.